Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas, and it is May, I don't know, like 28th or something like that. It's Sunday. I know that. We are on the backside of the opening round of Pro Motocross at Paula. And what a weekend, man. I, I didn't quite to know what to expect. We have so many injuries in the 450 class, and the 250 class is kind of wide open. So, you know, I, I always go into these opening rounds of any series, whether it's Supercross or Motocross or MXGP or anything, I typically have more questions than I do answers. And I think most of the riders in the classes kind of feel the same way. They don't know exactly where they're going to fit in or where their fitness is or where their preparation is. So it's, it's a really a kind of a fact-finding day for, for everyone. Um, if, and typically, if you go into the opening round of any series thinking you know exactly what's going to happen, you usually look like a fool. That's, that's just a basic rule that I've, I've come to find truth in. Uh, before I get too far into this podcast, I do want to thank the sponsors of it. Of course, Pirelli Tires is the longtime title sponsor of this podcast. Uh, I also want to thank Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, Pro Glow Wash, Fast Foundry, International Vet MX Series, TL Speed Shop, Grant Stone Boots, and Fly Race. And I'll talk a little bit more about each of those a little bit later. But jumping right into the 250 class, you know, I was interested to see how these guys would all react because let's face it, for the last couple of years, it's been the Jet Lawrence show. And we didn't know that it was going to be the Jet Lawrence show going into uh, 2022 Outdoor Championship. But, or excuse me, 2021, but he kind of took over and he dethroned, he, you know, dethroned Jerry Martin at a few races, beat Justin Cooper for the championship and started to establish himself as this alpha dog in the 250 class. And, you know, 2022 was more of the same as Hunter, you know, his brother Hunter challenged him at times, Joe Shimoda challenged him at times. But, you know, overall, honestly, for the last two years, it has kind of felt like Jet was the guy. And I think even in the psyche of the rest of the field, they had to start accepting that too. And whether they wanted to or not, maybe they were in denial. Um, it just started to kind of be that way. And you never really know when the turning point is, but I think it's, it's a subconscious thing where they're just like, yeah, man, I don't know how we beat this guy. He's so young and so good. And he just keeps getting better. That's the problem is, you know, you're, you're, for Jet, he's racing a bunch of veteran guys who are kind of established and they have their patterns and their their strengths and weaknesses. Jet's only getting better from here and he's still maturing and getting stronger mentally and physically and, and perfecting his racecraft and all these things. So it's it's pretty wild 
to think that we haven't seen the best of Jet yet. And I was talking to uh, some industry people, like really smart people that I, that I trust their insight. And I listen to them when they talk and they're like, man, you know, if, if you're wanting to win in the 450 class, you better do it now because think about what Jet could look like at 22, 23, 24, 25, like the, the prime years of his physicality, that mesh point of when you're, you're mentally and physically peak at the same time. And that's not, that's a different, it can be different times for everyone, but I think everyone would, would agree that that range from like 22 to 26 or 27, you're at your best mentally and physically, you know, maybe mentally you're better later on, but your the physicality has diminished, you know, so it's, it's kind of a, like a chart where you're trying to catch the peak of both, you know, and, and the older you get, the wiser you get, but the older you get, the, the weaker you get too. And, and your stamina starts to come down as for racing anyway. So it, there's like this sweet spot. And I think it's from, like I said, 22 to 27. And that can be, you know, a like jet's only 19 and look where he's at. So that's kind of the point is that there's so much left ahead of jet. And I think everybody in that 250 class understood that. Well, now that's, wide open there's a vacant hole there and everybody from rj to hunter to shimoda to kitchen to whoever take your pick justin cooper of course you know any of their protagonists in the 250 class are all looking at that spot going now's the time like i have to do it now because it's finally the door's finally open again and they so they were all scrambling for it that's why you saw these guys like just going full send this weekend and at the end of the day, Hunter came out on top. And, and I think Hunter was the favorite going in. I said it before the race. I said it on Saturday. I will say it after the race. I think he is the favorite to win this championship for many reasons. I think he is the best we've ever seen him. You know, he was almost second in the championship last year. He was the only or one of the only ones to really challenge Jet heads up several times. Like he could go toe to toe with him, match fitness, match speed, and yeah, he's just been building up to this. He's coming off the best season of his career in Supercross, and you could just see you can see the momentum building for Hunter. It's the longest stretch he's had of being healthy, and it just feels like his time. Now he's going to go out to go out all summer and do it, but if it's just on paper and you're just able to take out the variables of injury and these other things, yeah, I think he's the guy that's going to be your champion at the end of this series. So we'll see how it all plays out, but. So far, through one round, that 3-1 score was enough to get it done. Now, there's a ton of other guys to talk about in this class. Um, I think Justin Cooper underperformed a little bit. I expected more. Now, it wasn't a terrible day, but fifth overall is not what I think he nor his team had drawn up. Remember, he took off a lot of the Supercross series to prepare for this. They made, I don't want to say a hard decision, but a strategic decision to walk away from Supercross where he was doing well in the 450 class and go practice motocross for months on end, just day after day after day of preparing for motocross because they knew exactly what this was. They knew Jet was gone. They knew the door was wide open. All the things that I opened the show with, that's why they did it. They knew that a championship is on the table and it still is. You know, it wasn't like he threw it away or anything. Like look at last year. Last year was awful at the opener. He was not prepared at all. I just thought he would do better than this and I watched him in time qualifying and he was absolutely electric his 221 and up until the last lap of the 450 second session was the fastest lap of the day like it was incredible and I watched every corner of it and he was on rails 
So after watching that and knowing his starting prowess and all these things, like I'm like, he's going to be, he's going to be right in this. He's probably going to be first or second today. And it's going to be a battle all season long. And I don't know if it was the starts or he just wasn't as comfortable on the track or, or what, but he wasn't that same guy. You know, he just didn't have the fire in the moto. He didn't have the, that raw speed on the opening laps that, you know, has kind of been his calling card for years. And he's going to need to find that. He does not want to let Hunter Lawrence get a big lead like he did in Supercross and try to reel that back in. So look for him to bounce back at Hangtown. Hangtown's a better racetrack for him. Uh, he's historically been fast there. You go back to like 2021, the finale, he was just amazing there. Uh, so I think he'll have a much better weekend next weekend than he did this weekend. But it was it was puzzling. I expected more, uh, but we'll see. Joe Shimoda. Decent weekend. Remember, he won the, the final moto at Paul last year by like 30 seconds. Um, and we saw flashes of it. He just needs to kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Had a crash or maybe a couple of crashes. Just wasn't a perfect day. And for Joe, he is not going to be able to have those days. Like He's going to need to start this series faster than he did last year and establish himself early because that's what he did last year. Like He let everybody get out to this huge lead and then he tried to reel it back in with these incredible rides down the stretch, but to be champion, you've got to kind of be there all year. Like, you know, even though the door is open and there's going to be a ton of parody, you need to be like, your bad days need to be like third and fourth. That That's really the point. And he, he did da- nice damage control. Um, I just, you know, for Joe, I just think like he needs to smooth out the rough edges a little bit and find a way to be immaculate. Right. And that's, it's hard to do. Like, it's not like it's just easy. Oh, perfect. Yeah, great. Go, go out and win all the time. I, I understand how difficult that sounds, but if you want to be champion, that's the kind of things you have to do. Like look at Hunter, like he overcame adversity just like Joe did in the first moto, but then the second moto, he rips a whole shot and has a really easy moto. And that's kind of the kind of days I'm going to, we're going to need to see from Joe. RJ Hampshire. What a fantastic first moto that is, you know, and I've mentioned this on the broadcast. I mentioned on the racer X review, RJ told me straight up at Denver, like, I think I can win the championship. And I took it for granted because I hear that all the time. Like all these guys all say it. And I I shouldn't have, I should have given that more credence at the time, but he showed us in that first moto, what he's, you know, what he's talking about. Like that, you know, he showed us the feeling that he had. He's like, the bike is so good now. This is what he's telling me at Denver. We've come so far and I look at the field and I, I think I can win in this field. And the first moto was obvious, you know, obviously exactly what he wanted to do. It was the plan he had, <clears throat> excuse me, the plan he had in place. And we all know the thing about RJ though, right? RJ does RJ things. And that second moto was super RJ. He crashed three times and luckily he's so damn fast and has so, gives so much effort that he was able to get back to 11th place and still get on the podium for the day. But if you think about a championship over the course of, you know, 22 motos that it's going to be this year, you can't have 11ths in there and you can't crash three times. And that's always been the problem with RJ. Now he's his best self, like he's winning, but the 11ths will kill you. And this version of RJ, you know, that was in a, a one eleven day, right? Okay. Previous versions of RJ, he would have been like three fifteen. So it is, it is going to be a better score. It's going to allow him to still be in podium contention. But over the course of a series, you can't crash. I think he crashed four times in the races on Saturday. Like, that's not sustainable. 
you're either going to give too much, too many points away, someone's going to get on a run and stretch the points away from you, or you're going to land wrong on one of these crashes and sprain your ankle or worse. Like it's, that's just the, you know, it's a numbers game with crashing. The more times you crash, the more likely your odds of injuring yourself in one of those crashes goes up. And we've seen that with RJ. He's been beat up several times this year. He had broken ribs and all kinds of things going on during Supercross. And that is just an inevitability if you continue to hit the ground. Uh, Levi Kitchen, just an invisible day. I, I, I'll be honest, I expected more. Um, I don't really know if there was something going on. I know the starts weren't great. Maybe that was just it. Uh, but I, I expected more. Uh, Carson Mumford was pretty solid. I, you know, I didn't have high expectations for him. So I think anytime he's running around the top 10, that's pretty solid. I, I think he will take that. He didn't even know if he was going to have a ride. And I think it's only for the first three right now. So he's out to prove himself and prove he belongs uh, on that factory team and on Mitch's team. Uh, who else? Ryder Francesco. It was all right. You know, the speed was better. He proved he could run up front, but I don't know exactly, right? So I'm, I'm speculating, but I think he, I, I still think the fitness is a problem. You know, if you're, my opinion, if you're able to run that pace and stay up front for that long, you need to be able to finish. Like fitness to me is the easiest part. And I know that's an individual thing. Like it's not the same for everybody, but to me, fitness is all about effort and it's all about details and how much work you put in. And so for me, the fitness, when I, see somebody get tired, I always shake my head because I always think that's the part where you can do something about it. You know, if you're not fast and you're trying, like you're trying to like hell to get faster and maybe you're not talented enough or the bike's not very good. Like there's a lot of things that can be out of your control sometimes. And I've, I've experienced that, but to me, the fitness, especially when you have factory equipment and everything's there for you to do, I just kind of shake my head and be like, man, you gotta, you gotta sort that out. So maybe I'll, I'll, reach out to Ryan Villapoto who works with Ryder and kind of ask that um, because I don't want to assume that he's out of shape. Um, I, you know, Ryan Villapoto is very, very in shape during his career. So I know he knows what it takes, but when I watch Ryder D at the end of motos, that's kind of the, the, the feeling I'm getting. Uh, Chance Hymas, man, he had a really good ride going in that second one. And then it kind of came unraveled all at once. So I know he was probably disappointed but you could see the you could see the flashes of promise there. You can see why factory Honda is willing to give him a shot. You know, you, you can't teach that talent to run around in the top five for half the moto. Like that's that's that was never something I could do. And he's only in his like what second pro motocross race, right? So you see the potential there. You see what he's capable of. Uh, and I'm kind of going through the rookies. Obviously, Hayden Deegan, just amazing, right? Second overall in his third ever pro motocross race coming off of a fantastic debut Supercross season. Uh, so if, if anybody out there was doubting Hayden Deegan or what this kid's about or, you know, if you should believe the hype or anything, I'm telling you right now, you need to get on board. And I was late to the party. I have to just eat that and, and admit that I was very skeptical. I thought there was a lot of hype, but I didn't know if there was really any substance. Well, I was just wrong on that. Or maybe I, I was just... Yeah, I don't know if I was so wrong. I didn't think he was not good. I just didn't think he was this good. And I am just having to, you know, I've, I've completely flipped on that. I'm just not going to be wrong anymore. And uh, every time I see him do something amazing, I'm like, yep, there's just more proof. So I got to uh, interview his father, Brian Deegan, who I'm sure everyone knows who that is, after the race for the uh, the post show, which airs on Tuesdays. And, yeah, his, you can just see it, man. His mom and dad are so proud of – 
you know, the effort he's putting in, right? And, and Brian accomplished so much in the sport, whether racing or freestyle or business or whatever you think his, you know, whatever he hangs his hat on, because there's a lot there. He, he He's just like a shining beacon when he talks about his child. And uh, it's cool to watch. It's cool to see all, you know, and, and Brian was very transparent. He's like, we have put so much money, time, and effort into Hayden's career already. And they have, like, you think about the facilities they've built, they've moved their entire family to North Carolina and then out to Florida. And like, they've been chasing this for really Hayden's entire life. So to see it come to fruition, to see Hayden take that opportunity and really run with it and rise to the occasion, as Brian said, I think is very fulfilling for him. And you can just see that coming out in him. Like it's, it radiates outwardly from him when he talks about him. So that's, that's cool to cool to watch. And if you have been around Brian for a long time, you know, Brian was like a really brash outlandish guy. And a lot of it was, it was kind of a, an act, some of it, because he was a really quiet kid, but to see him be very personable and outgoing and none of that ego anymore. Uh, think about like metal militia who Brian Deegan was, right? That's not who he is now. He is a devoted father and all in on his kid's success. Um, so I, I love to see the the real Brian and, and Brian as a father kind of shining through. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else for the 250 class. I think Max Bowen deserves a nod. Incredible ride from him in that first moto to hold off Hunter Lawrence after just a horrific, I mean, absolutely catastrophic 250 Supercross series. I mean, it. he had moments where he went really fast. I completely understand, but Listen, he's on factory KTM, and your boss is Roger DeCoster. And Roger DeCoster doesn't suffer fools. And I, I don't mean I don't mean Max Bowen's a fool. I'm just saying, you know, it's a, obviously a cliche. But you can't mess around. Like, you have to perform. I don't care if you're Cooper Webb or Max Boland or Ryan Dungey. It doesn't matter. You are paid to perform, and that team does not mess around. Like, it's just what it is. And you know when you go there that you've got to get it done. End of story, period, bar none. No two ways about it. And he was not. He simply was not. So this type of ride's big for him. I don't know what the future holds. I don't personally believe they're going to bring him back to Red Bull KTM. I don't know that. I, I shouldn't probably even probably shouldn't say that. But I, that's what I believe. What I don't know is what do they do with him? Do they put him on Rockstar Husky? Do they, you know, I, I, I think they find a home with him for him somewhere. But I don't know if it's where he's at now. Now, anything could happen, right? If he goes out and, and starts getting on the podium every weekend, that could change in a hurry. But I think he, there's a real sense of urgency for him to perform. And if he doesn't perform, if he struggles at all this summer, I would almost guarantee he's going to be looking for somewhere. But I, I think there's a real chance that the Austria group, which is you know obviously Red Bull, KTM, Gas Gas, and Rockstar Husky, they keep him within that family somewhere else. Um, but yeah, he, there's a real risk that they don't. So he's got to get it together and quickly. So for those of, who, those of you who are new to this podcast, I do the power rankings and they are a complete disaster right now. Because look at the field, man. It's the weakest opening round of 450 Pro Motocross ever. And I say that a little bit willy-nilly. I don't have any data to back that up other than just look at the field and you find a you find a series or a year to prove me wrong because I don't think you can. Um, that's not anybody's fault. The guys that did really well, they have no control over that, and I don't hold it against them. Anybody that wants to take shots at them, like I saw, like Ping took a shot, and I'm like, okay, whatever. But keep in mind, 
those guys, you know, the guys in the top 10, like that he mentioned, like they can't do anything about it. They just sign up and race, you know, and you can only race against who shows up to race. And I, he, they can't help it that a lot of people are hurt and people are going to come back. The series is going to get tougher as we go on versus where many years it starts incredibly difficult and gets easier. I think we're going to have the inverse of that where it gets steadily more difficult as people come back. I think some of the 250 guys will move to the 450 class. And as we get closer to the SMX playoffs, guys are going to want to get in there and try to get some points. So that's, that's my prediction. We'll, uh, we'll see if it comes true. But without further ado, at number 10 is Grant Harlan. And this is the first time I think he's ever been in. Uh, maybe I had him in the final round. I, I, I know I considered it. But realistically, like, he deserves to be here. You look at the end of Supercross, he was super solid uh, on Saturday. I think he went 9-6, and he deserved it. You know, even in a full field, I, I think he has a really good day, top 15. And he is the real deal. Like, he's fast. He's fit. He is confident. And, uh, yeah, so he deserves a ton of credit. Great job, Grant Harlan. I think he was seventh overall on the day. Um, that's just really, really impressive. Number nine, Kyle Chisholm. And I think he's been on here a couple times. But Chiz is just – he does what Chiz does, right? He wasn't blazing fast. He wasn't flashy. He didn't get a hole shot. He just rode at a solid pace. He was in shape. He's done a ton of testing for that Twisted T team. And he went like 11-11 for 12. That is so Chiz. It's like the definition of Kyle Chisholm. So good job to him. I know I talked to him on the starting line before practice, and he was really unsure of how it was going to go. He just like shrugged his shoulders and he said, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I opened the show with, like these guys don't, they don't know where they stack up because everything's different. They haven't raced yet. They've been riding Supercross for so long. They don't know where their fitness is. They don't know where their speed is. Uh, so, yep, he was 11th in both motos. That should give us a good indication of where this summer is going to go for him. At number eight, <laughs> I know this makes no sense, but I have Jason Anderson at number eight. And the reason I do is because he's coming back, I think. And if he doesn't come back soon or if I get news that he's going to stay out longer, I'll pull him. But I think he is going to try to come back fairly soon. Uh, so we'll just – we'll keep him in for now. We all know how good he is. Remember, he won the opening – or excuse me, the second round at Hangtown last year. He won the overall. So this guy's super legit. And I think he – if he's coming back, he stays. If he's if he's not coming back, he's going to be immediately gone. So that's kind of how I went about that. Number seven, similar story as Justin Barsha. He's starting to ride uh, this week or maybe last week, but he's going to be back sooner than later. Um, I know he is in a huge hurry to get back because he wants to rack up SMX points, and he knows the field is super depleted. Everyone knows that. So it's kind of the same thing. It's why Trooper Webb is back, which we'll get to. 100% Cooper Webb is in the series right now because of how beaten down it is. He's getting paid a lot of money, and there's a lot of bonus money up for grabs, and the SMX playoffs are coming. Otherwise, he wouldn't be out there. And you don't have to believe me. I know for a fact that is a huge motivating factor for him to be out there is the way the field is and how it sets up for him this season and going into the playoffs. It's part of it. These guys race for money, and uh, Cooper Webb is very transparent about the fact that he wants to make as much of it as humanly possible. I was the same way, so I don't, I don't blame him one bit. You have to be opportunistic, and there is a huge opportunity out there right now. Uh, right in front of him, I have – and that's not Cooper Webb. We're getting to him later. But at number six, I have Dylan Ferrandis. And you're going to say, but, but, but he got third. Okay, well, he hasn't raced since Houston, Okay. So I'm not. I'm trying to not get crazy. 
we all know that Dylan Ferrandis is going to move up the leaderboard, but I never want this list to be way to have too much recency bias. So I'm trying to keep it within reason. He's got one race under his belt. He hasn't raced in months and months and months. So we'll keep him at six and show respect to the guys that have been racing Supercross still out there. But I thought Ferrandis was great. He was very unprepared. I talked to his team manager, Jeremy Coker, with Weege Saturday morning, and they're like, yeah, we'd love to tell you that we're super prepared, but we are not. Uh, not at all, in fact. Um, so that, that caught me by surprise. I, I didn't expect that at all. Um, so that lowered my expectations, and then seeing how tired he was on the podium kind of reconfirmed that. Uh, he said he was just absolutely done at the end of the second moto trying to hold uh, Aaron Plessinger off. So we'll see. I think he'll, he'll bounce back quickly. Uh, fitness comes back pretty fast, especially when you're racing week to week, like your body, especially when you have kind of muscle memory and he's been in such peak physical shape before. It seems like your body wants to get back there pretty quickly. And already, he already went 3-3. Three, three. So um, he's obviously not that far off. Right in front of him, at number five, I have Adam Ciencerulo. And not a bad day for AC, but he, man, that first moto, he's kind of riding by himself. He, you could tell he wasn't quite good enough to be with the rest of the guys. And it was probably a really lonely day. You know, the second moto, he starts last. And just, I don't know, he was fighting to pass through guys, but he didn't look like he was having much fun. To be, to be completely honest and transparent, he looked like he was just kind of going through the motions out there. He was fast in practice, don't get me wrong. But in the races, I don't think he liked the track. I don't think he was having a whole lot of fun. So we'll see if he can get better. I think a lot of the tracks that are upcoming will suit him a little better. Um, so yeah, just, he was kind of in survival mode and, uh, it's okay though. The field, the field's so terrible. You don't have to be your absolute best to get a, a fairly decent result. Number four, I have Aaron Plessinger and not a terrible day. Uh, he, I mean, he gave Ferrandez all he wanted in that second moto and he's going to get better. I think, um, just like Cooper Webb, he sees the opportunity in front of him. They all know that podiums are up for grabs. And the earlier, the better, because Ferrandis is vulnerable. Barsha's not back. Um, the door is open. Now, it's it's a difficult door to walk through. Like, they're not handing out podiums. But at the same time, there is a, a serious chance to get podiums. And if you think about what this field could look like, if you had Tomac and you had Roxon and you had Barsha and you had Anderson and you just go down the list, it's a lot better than that. So you have to kind of strike while the iron, and iron is hot and make the most of your opportunity that's in front of you. And I know AP is, is thinking that way, as is everybody else. So it'll be interesting to see who can take take that opportunity and make the most of it and kind of who can't, right? And, you know, Webb's going to be in that fight. Brandis is going to be there week in, week out. I think AC will have his moments. And these guys that are coming back from injury are certainly going to be making moves for that as well. At number three, I have Cooper Webb. And again, you're probably going to say, but, 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 but. Think about his Supercross season. He won two races. He was in the title fight. Like, there is very good reason to have Cooper Webb at three. He got fifth overall on the day. Pretty damn good. He was in the fight with AP. And he just started riding this week. So he's going to get better quickly, too. Like, he's going to find his sea legs, so to speak. Uh, so I, I thought it was a really respectable ride. The series is much better for having Cooper Webb in it. And we need all the guys we can get. So um, I, I think Cooper Webb is deserving to be at three. Number two, in his first time ever in the prestigious power rankings, is Jet Lawrence. And what a damn ride from this kid. He's unbelievable. Like, seriously. 
this guy's unbelievable. And if you weren't able to see it live and in person, you may not, you may not know how easy that first moto was for Jet Lawrence. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen, like, it's probably been since Ricky Carmichael's days where I saw someone taking it that easy and still able to win. And, and I'm not kidding when I say he was taking it easy. Like, he was truly just riding around. And you could say, well, it just looked that way. He was trying. No, no, no. Like, th- make no mistake. He was absolutely just riding around once he got that 10-second lead. And he would pick it up here and there. Like, he'd pick up the pace and try a little harder. And then he'd slow back down. And it was this kind of yo-yo type thing for him. But I'm not kidding, man. Like, it was it was shocking how easy it was for him to go out and, and win. And part of that was the field. Part of that was Chase Sexton not having a good moto. But part of that was just how amazing this 19-year-old is. Now, the second moto was a little bit more realistic. Sexton was better. He pressured him the entire moto. And, you know, I had this unique perspective where as soon as they come off the track, I'm there. Like, I am in their face, not with a microphone, but I'm, like, standing right there because I want to see exactly how tired they are if they, you know, because you can tell, like, after the first moto, Jet didn't look tired at all. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm good. The second moto, like, he wanted water. Like, he's like, cool me down. Like, you could tell he, he was having to push the entire time. And the same for Sexton. Like, both of them left it all on the track. And that's only something you can tell if you're right there in the moment. Because if you give them an opportunity to kind of cool down and get water and collect themselves, you're going to get a different, just a different representation of them than you would otherwise. So uh, I can, I can tell you that the second moto, both of them were flat out. Like they gave it all they had and it was, yeah, it was indicative of the race that they gave us. Um, and, but Jed, I mean, you think about his first ever 450 race, he's undefeated at that track. It's just freaking incredible how good this guy is. So I am a huge Jet Lawrence fan. Uh, I, you know, like not even so much like as a person, I, I, you know, kind of don't care. Like he's fine. He's nice to me ish. You know, I don't think he really cares whether, you know, about me or, or not. That's fine. That's not up for him to do. I think he, I don't think he loves the media so much, which is okay. I get it. Like they, they have a lot of things being said about them and people criticizing every single thing that they do. I I get that. Um, But I am a huge fan of, of that guy. So He's going to give us a lot of uh, incredible things to watch. And, and really the only thing that you can hope is that he doesn't dominate so much that he makes the racing boring for a decade. Like that's really the main hope. Otherwise there's a lot to love there. So I hope, uh, I hope everybody buckles up because that kid is the real deal in every way possible. I mean it in every sense of the word. Um, he is the absolute real deal. So I have met two. I don't know how long I can keep him there. Like if he goes on a run, I don't know how long I can hold off of putting him uh, to the top. But at number one, as you would expect, I have Chase Sexton. And he deserves to be here. He's your Supercross champion. No, he didn't win, but he was damn close, right? If he had passed Jed on the last lap there, he wins the overall. And yes, we still talk about Jed a ton, but their narrative changes a little bit, right? Chase would have found a way to get it done. In the end, he didn't. Jet won, and deservedly so. But what a what a ride and what a bounce-back way after, I would say, a pretty difficult first moto. He just didn't look good. He had a huge crash in practice. And I think everybody was scratching their head a little bit going, uh-oh, like that's not a good way to start. He really had nothing for 
for Jed at all. And you don't want to start off the series basically with nothing to, to show against Jet. Like that's just not, not how you want to kick this thing off. Um, but to his credit, he bounced back. He gave Jet a fight. And that's what we really haven't seen many people be able to do. I was trying to think of another time, you know, Hunter's done it, Kitchen's done it, but there have not been many opportunities for people to really go toe-to-toe with Jet and be able to match pace or better it. And I think Sexton has the talent to do that. And maybe Tomac would have would have as well. But that's really what I want to see. I want to see Jet push to his absolute limit and see where that limit is. I, I think there's a lot there to be explored with Jet and see how far and how fast this kid can really go. But if, if you don't have an equal level of talent there to match wits with him, racecraft, speed, all the, you know, Jet has this complete package. He's so relaxed and so calm and his racecraft is so strong and he whole shots both motos. And like, where do you attack him? Like, where where's the hole in his game that you're going to exploit if you're trying to beat the guy? That's the challenging part. Like, if you're Chase, you're just like, uh, all right, like, I, I, I guess I'll find a way or uh, how am I going to beat this guy, right? Like, that's how everybody's kind of thinking about it it's not going to be easy. Like it, it is going to be a challenge for Chase Sexton all series long. And I think if Eli Tomac comes back in Supercross next year, he's going to be up against the same thing. So it's just something to watch. Um, I can guarantee you that Chase Sexton and his, his crew, like his dad and his agent and his coach and all these people are, they're working on it. Like they're trying to find some sort of weakness to go after go after Jet. And and it doesn't have to be like, oh, we found this way to exploit him. I think Chase just has to be his absolute best, right? And that's probably what Chase is thinking about. He, you know, he did an interview where he said, I'm not worried about anybody. I, I just have to be my best self. And I think there's truth in that. Like you just need to, if, if Chase is the very best that he can be, that's a really difficult thing for anybody to deal with. I don't care if you're Eli Tomac or, or Jet or pick a guy, Jeffrey Hurlings. I don't care. Anybody, if Chase is on his best level, he can be at, which we've seen, we've seen it. it doesn't happen all the time, but we've seen it. Then good luck to anybody. Doesn't mean he's unbeatable. It's just a very, very tough thing to go head to head with. And I think Jed is the same way. And I think Tomac is the same way. And Hurlings, I mentioned the same way too. Any of those on their, any of those guys on their best day, good luck. That's all you can really say. Some days you're just going to have, have to tip your cap to him and say that you, yep, you're the best guy today. You might be the best guy on earth today. And I think we're going to see that from both of them. And, and, you know, that's great for us. Like, thank God that those guys are in this series because we might be witness to a decade of this. Now, I talked about this leading into the weekend is we might be on the precipice of a decade of these two just going at it. And we should be so lucky to get that because holy cow, would that be entertaining? I hope so. I don't want to jinx it, but we have we have a real chance at it. We do. And we should lean into it, man. I am I am here for it. I want to promote it. I want to talk about it and I want to analyze it. And I hope that we get it. And that's where I want to leave off this podcast is let's just hope that we can get something that awesome as those two going at it for, you know, however long they want to do it for. Let's just hope that injury or nothing, like one of them doesn't get too good for the other one to deal with. Let's hope Tomac comes back in January. Cooper Webb, I think, will be on a Yamaha next year. Let's see. I think he'll be improved. I think mentally he'll be in a better place where he's happy with the bike and team and everything like that. And we could be lined up for an all-time 
2024. But we, we have 2023 ahead of us, but I, I just think the, the stars are aligning for an all-timer in 2024. So thank you again to all the sponsors of this. Uh, Pirelli Tires, they have that rebate going on. Uh, Guts Racing, seat covers, e-bikes, graphics. You know all the things that Guts Racing has going on. Plum Creek Funding, rates are high right now. There's no getting around that. But if you need if you need advice, if you need to make a purchase, maybe you, maybe you don't have a choice. A lot of people have to move, right? They're getting relocated. They Their family's expanding. You need to buy. I would reach out to Plum Creek Funding at least get advice. There's no downside in that, right? Like you're you're just going to learn something about the market. Worst case scenario, Works Connection. Check out that uh, Rider Triangle for the 2023 Yamaha. And I know Ferrandis. Maybe Ferrandis wants to look into that because I heard he's a little unhappy with the bike settings. So well, maybe he should. Uh, I'm kidding, kind of. But uh, if you have a 2023 Yamaha, check that out. Uh, Pro Glow Wash is uh, yeah formulated Power Sports Wash. If you have a side-by-side dirt bike, street bike, you definitely want to pick up some Proglow Wash, Fast Foundry. Any business need, virtual event, real event, accounting, business efficiency, that is where you want to be. International Vet MX Series, you can go to oldtimersmx.com to find out more. They actually have an event going on at Hangtown right now. They have a race going on. If you're not there, you're missing out. Because that is a great series. It's all about getting track time. And they cater to the 30 and up crowd. They have a live music at night. They have all kinds of great things going on. It's a great series. You get lots of track time. You don't have to deal with all the like, the mini bike crowd. And everybody there trying to make you know a name for themselves. It's about good times, good riding, good tracks. And it's a, it's a great thing that those guys have going on. Teal Speed Shop, Wickenburg, Arizona. Power Sports Vacations. It's side-by-sides. You can do all kinds of custom rides. And they have it all set up for you. Jason Cobb and the crew, you can go to tlspeedshop.com to learn more. They have trophy trucks, side-by-sides. You fly in. It's a one-stop shop. They have everything dialed in for you. And they take care of everything. And it's a great, great project. It's not a project. It's like a destination getaway that they have going on. Grantstone Boots. I have their sneakers on as we speak right now. Great product. Go to grantstoneshoes.com. Or uh, I think it's at Grantstone on Instagram. But you can check out all their products there. And that company has come so far with such a beautiful product, a line of products, actually. And last but not least, Fly Racing. Thank you to all, everything that they do for me. They make my life uh, much better. And I love to represent such a great company. They, their ideals line up with mine. They have a great product. They have a brand new website. Check that out, flyracing.com. Uh, it's much more functional. You can find anything you need there, 2022 product, 2023 product. Go to Fly Race, at Fly Racing USA to see all of our athletes and products there as well. And that's it. Thanks to everybody for being involved. We will talk to you after Hangtown for round two. See you.